Hey everyone, do you want to start an online business this year? Well, I've been doing online business for over six years, and I think now it's time to teach other people what I've learned throughout the course of my career. So if you're interested in one-on-one coaching and mentorship, you're going to want to click that first link down below in the podcast notes. It will take you to a place where you can schedule a free discovery call with myself to see if you are a good candidate to join the mentorship program. Now, I'm only accepting a small number of students for this program because I want to give you the individual attention that you need to get your business growing. So again, if you want to sign up for the one-on-one mentorship program with myself, you will want to click that first link down below in the podcast notes, sign up for the free discovery call, talk to me one-on-one, and we will see if you're a good fit for the mentorship program. So again, first link down below in that description. Now let's get into the podcast. Hey everyone. Thanks again for tuning into the Marketing Edge podcast with Scott Leventon. This episode, we have a lot on our list to cover. We're going to be talking about building authority with your blog, how you can do search engine optimization, and how you can do search engine optimization for your clients. Uh, Before we get started, uh, the Marketing Edge podcast, we don't do any advertisements because I have my own products to sell. I make online courses and I make free trainings and I stand behind the products that I offer. So there's no reason for me to read paid ads, uh, you know, off of a script like most other podcast formats. And I think that's really what makes us unique here at the Marketing Edge. No advertisements, all content for you. So let's just dive right in. So we want to talk about building authority with your blog. And the reason that you want to build authority with your blog is because without authority, you're not going to be able to rank high in search engines. And in order to build authority, well, it's not very easy to do, but it does take time. However, if you do it correctly over time and you don't just try to you know, make it so you're just trying to make a quick buck, um, if you do it correctly over time, how I'm going to show you how to build authority, well, then you're going to be in good shape to rank high on search engines and really get the most out of Google and your SEO efforts. So let's just start right off. So there's something called the EAT model, and that's E-A-T, stands for EAT, and it stands for Expertise, Authority, and Trust. So the EAT model was actually something that Google commented on, and this is what they look for for websites uh, when they determine their search engine rankings. Now, when I say that like Google is determining their search engine rankings, it's not really someone at Google that's like looking at your website and then making a decision. It's actually just Google has what's called these, uh, like it's called a crawler or like a spider. And it's not a real spider, but it's like a spider that basically crawls your website and it analyzes all of the on-page elements. It analyzes the backlinks coming back to your website. And so it's not, uh, it's like an automated process and there's no one at Google like really controlling the process. It's just like automated. Um, The Google crawlers, they crawl like billions of web pages probably every day. And that's just how Google kind of does things in terms of like ranking websites. So it's not a manual review. It's just like an automated process. But the EAT model, um, the expertise, authority, and trust model, Google did actually comment on this. And this is what they look at, like I said, when they determine where to rank websites on search engines. So because expertise, authority, and trust typically takes like several years to build, like you're not just going to start a website and then you're automatically going to have the expertise, authority, and trust. So a common theme that you're going to hear when we go over the expertise, authority, and trust, the EAT model is that it takes time and you need to be doing this consistently before you can really be an authority in the space. It makes sense, right? So let's just start with the first one. So in the EAT model, it's the expertise. So it's pretty self-explanatory, but what does expertise mean? Well, let's just use myself as an example and I'm in the real estate industry. And so for me, expertise in the real estate industry would be demonstrating my knowledge about real estate, um, you know, talking through complex topics um, and publishing a lot of articles on relevant content. 
So again, that's the thing. We have to publish a lot of relevant articles on the topic to establish expertise. And then over time, once you do 50, 80, 100 articles, um, this is going to establish your expertise and will look good in Google's eyes. And that's the first thing that they look for is the expertise. So again, how do we show expertise? Well, it's publishing a lot of articles on the website. And yeah, so that's how you really show expertise. That's the main way. Um, and then you want to publish frequently. And we can go over a little bit about uh, publishing velocity. Um, so publishing velocity, I talked about in the past two podcasts, actually. And it's just that you want to post frequently. So like publishing velocity, you want to have a high velocity of um, blogs that are being written. So the reason for this is that Google likes to see fresh content. They like to see new content regularly. So if you could commit to um, like at least three blog posts a week, that's pretty good in the eyes of Google. That's pretty, that's you're publishing pretty frequently and that, that's going to look good if you could do three per week. Um, ideally a thousand word blog posts or more, um, but that's not feasible for everyone who works like full time in addition to kind of doing this on the side. So I understand it's not feasible. You got to commit to at least one per week, in my opinion, ideally more, because the more you can do, the more publishing velocity that you can handle, um, the faster you're going to rank on Google. So it's really just up to you. I mean, if you can only do one post a week and you seriously cannot do any more, well, it's going to take longer than someone who's able to do three a week. It's just the way it is. So if you can cr like crank out three a week, even though it might be a little tight, um, highly recommend that you just try to publish as much as you possibly can, especially when your art, uh, your website is first starting, if you're just starting a website or a blog. Now, moving on with expertise, and we're going to talk a lot about backlinks, and backlinking is so important because backlinks are just the links that are pointing back to your website. So if, if a reputable source is pointing back to your website, this is showing Google that um, at the very least what's on your web page is high content, and there's a reason that um, they're linking back to your website. Um, so it's pretty self-explanatory with backlinks. And we're going to move on to authority. And after authority is trust. And backlinking is a common theme um, to do the authority and the trust piece as well. But moving on to authority. So how do you build authority in the space? Well, it's just everything like I just said, kind of what it takes to build expertise. Now, authority is more focused on backlinks, while expertise is more focused on like the actual content that you're creating and if it's like relevant and if you're like an expert in the actual content while authority is actually more on the backlinking side so like what other websites are saying about your website that's what builds the authority in google's eyes and the best way to do this is through backlinks now backlinks um, it is difficult especially if you're just getting started a lot of people neglect the backlinks part of seo and um, blogging because it's kind of hard. It's it's hard and it's not really fun to reach out to other people to try to get guest posts and to try to get links back to your website. It's not really fun. Um, it's more fun like creating the content in my opinion um, as opposed to like sending out cold emails. Um, so something to keep in mind, but to establish authority, you will need to get backlinks somehow. And watch, I made another podcast and look at my link tree if you want to learn more about like how to actually get real backlinks to your website because it's so important and without backlinks you're not going to establish expertise authority or trust um, so to establish authority the best way is through organic seo so this is creating the blog posts and then optimizing them for seo for the search engines which i know how to do and i can teach you how to do it as well and then to build authority we use the organic seo where you're doing backlinks or honestly you can pay for links 
you can pay high authority websites to link back to your website. It's not uncommon. Um, so I don't highly recommend it because you can't really scale that. It's okay maybe to do it once or twice, but you want to get organic and you want to do like real guest posts and you don't really, you don't really want to pay for the posts if you can really kind of avoid it. So if you don't have to pay for it, recommend just organic SEO, create the content, get the backlinks organically. And that's how you really build authority in the space. Now, moving on to the last thing of the eat model, the last, um, you know, trust, which is the last, it's the T in the eat model. So building trust, this is more about building trust with your readers and kind of like your audience. So this entails like getting uh, repeat website visitors. So Google can see if the traffic is like a repeat visitor or not. So that's like establishing trust. You want to establish trust with your readers. You want to have regular visitors where people are tuning into your content or your website um, pretty frequently. And that's the best way to build trust with your readers. And building trust, it does actually tie in with the expertise and authority um, kind of sections of the EAT model. And because to build trust with your audience, you honestly, you have to have some authority in the space. That's really the only way to do it. Now, like your, your early audience, when you don't really have the authority in the space yet, these are going to be the people that you want to kind of um, call out and really appreciate because these are the people that are with you before you really have that authority. But to really build trust and to really build an audience, you're going to need to have authority in the space. You're going to need to have backlinks. You're also, of course, going to need to have expertise showing people that you do know what you're talking about. And then if you do that and you have a lot of articles on your website, that's how you build the trust with your readers. Um, so then the backlinks also does tie in from for trust. To build trust, you need to have reputable websites linking back to yours. That's one of the best ways to build trust. Um, so the EAT model, it does kind of, um, they all kind of tie in with each other. And a common theme is backlinks and just having other authority websites linking back to yours. That's a common theme for the EAT model. Um, so that's just a little bit about the EAT model that Google said this is what they look for in websites. So if you're looking to start a website, start a blog, or do SEO for clients, um, you're going to want to pay attention to the EAT model. And there's some show notes and some links down below in the description. If you want to learn more about the EAT model, uh, there's more information there. But we're going to move on. We're going to say how we're going to cover how to use the EAT model to your advantage. I did go over publishing velocity and uh, we're just going to touch on it briefly. So if you're starting a blog, I recommend getting started with a blog for yourself. If you want to do SEO before doing it for clients, you really want to hone in your skills um, before you go out and really do it for others. Um, Cause it doesn't make sense. Like if you really don't have any experience, um, like why would you go out and try to do it for others when you literally don't have any experience? And one of the easiest ways to really get that experience is to do it on your own and to do it with your own website. So we went over publishing velocity. We're not going to mention that again. We're going to move on. Um, we're going to go over guest posting. And so guest posting is very important. And there's a ki kind of a couple different ways that you can do guest posting. So for me, I do freelancing write, freelance writing on Fiverr. And I do freelance writing on Fiverr so I can do guest posts more frequently. And so each each time I get like an inquiry... I basically do writing for other people's websites. So when I do writing for other people's websites, I can include backlinks to my website um, or other external sources. Now you want to do this very sparingly because you don't want to like do like spam backlinks where you're just like literally doing the backlink and not really any like adding any value to it. So to do guest posting, if that's one way to do it with as a freelance writer where you write for different websites, excuse me, you write for different websites and you can 
include the links back to yours and others. That's one way to do guest posting. Or if you're not a freelance writer and you kind of just want to uh, reach out to websites cold, um, that's one other way to do guest posting. So you would basically just send, you would find the decision maker's email or just contact information, whether it could be LinkedIn or whatever. Somehow you get in touch with a decision maker at the website. And then you kind of just say, like, you give them some ideas. And there's a lot of different ways you can approach this. But this is just one that I've heard that works and one that I've used myself and it does work. So you kind of just you find the contact information for a decision maker at the website. Um, kind of, it can be difficult to do this, um, but I do have a training on that on the way. So check the links down below in the description. And so, yeah, so you want to do guest post outreach. A uh, good way to do this is through cold email or just like cold LinkedIn. Find the decision maker and say that you have some ideas for a blog on their website. Now, ideally, you would want to do some research to their blog to make sure like they haven't covered some of these topics that you suggest. So. Yeah, so then you would just pitch like a couple ideas. So for example, let's use the real estate industry and how I might be kind of like approaching that as a real estate, someone in the real estate niche. So say I wanted to write for NerdWallet. Maybe it's not a great example because they're just such a high authority, but say I wanted to write for NerdWallet. I would want to look up like to find out who's like the editors because there's probably multiple editors for a website like NerdWallet. So you want to reach out to one of them and good way to do it is through cold email. I think that does work. Other ways to do it is like LinkedIn, like I said. Um, so you want to reach out to the decision maker and say, hey, I have some ideas for some articles. Give them like three ideas and then say, um, you know, let me know if I'd like to, you like me to get started. You know, we can talk about the rate. But that's kind of how you get in front of the decision makers and just pitch your kind of like your ideas. Now you have to understand that a lot of these decision makers that you reach out to, they're not going to even respond, whether they they might not even see your message or they might have left the company and they might not um, you know, be a decision maker anymore. And for one reason or another, they're probably just not going to respond. Um, that's just like the way it is, especially with sales. It's basically sales. Um, you're trying to convert the customer in a different way. You want to do a guest post. You're not really getting them to buy anything, but it's a, it's a different type of conversion and it's basically sales, which means you have to send out a lot of different um you know, like outreach messages to a lot of different people at the websites because only a small percentage are going to even respond and an even smaller percentage will want you to write the guest post. So it's a numbers game. You have to really send out hundreds of cold emails or cold outreach if you really want to get guest posting like that more the traditional way if you're not a freelance writer. But guest posting can be super helpful because you can write for other authority sites. Now, the hardest part about guest posting is really getting in the door because if you can do a guest post, like a successful guest post for a website that's an authority and they're happy with it, maybe they're getting some traction with SEO, they see that it's working, then you're, it's easier to kind of get your foot in the door with a company like that um, because like they're happy with you and maybe your rates were good, you gave them a deal. Um, it's just really good to get in your foot in the door and then you can, you know, you can try to raise your rates down the line. But once you get your foot in the door at like a, a good website where you can do the guest posts, um, it's consistent backlinks to your website uh, and you can pay others. Yeah, others will actually pay you um, to get backlinks to their website. Um, so it's definitely possible down the line. Um, but let's move on. That is kind of how to use the EAT model. We want to go over now doing SEO for yourself versus doing SEO and getting paid by the client. So I did mention that it's a really good idea to do SEO um, like for yourself first and really hone in your skills because 
if you haven't done SEO, you haven't done blog writing, you haven't done really any of this online business type stuff, and you're just starting out, you probably actually just want to do it for yourself first. And it makes sense because you can hone in your skills with SEO as you're still learning, as you're still watching, you know, more YouTube videos, and you're still like educating yourself on the kind of topics of SEO, the different concepts and how you can do SEO most effectively. As you're still educating yourself, you can just basically hone your skills um, as you continue to educate yourself and get better at SEO. So I recommend starting off doing SEO for yourself if you don't have any experience. Now, let's go over some of the pros and cons to doing SEO for yourself. Well, the first benefit and pro to doing SEO for yourself and blogging for yourself on your own website, well, you get to work on your own schedule because when you're working with clients, they might have certain deadlines, they might have certain times that they want to meet with you each week, and it can be if you have other stuff to manage and other clients, it can be kind of overwhelming at times. Um, if you're not really making your own schedule and you're kind of dictated by a client and their schedule, um, there's ways around this. But generally speaking, if you're doing it for yourself, you don't have to answer for clients. And that's some type of freedom that a lot of people value. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the first pro to doing SEO for yourself. Now, the second one is that you don't answer to anyone. So if if you like want to do a blog post and you say you would submit it to a client, if you're submitting it to a client and they're not happy with the blog, well, you have to answer to them and you have to make them happy. Um, you don't really have a choice. You have to make them happy. You have to make the client happy. So when you're doing SEO for yourself, you don't have to answer to anyone. Now, this can be a double-edged sword because this could um, cause like the, the quality of your writing and everything to suffer. If you're not answering to anyone, if you have no one really to hold you accountable, um, it can actually be a double-edged sword and might not be the best for you. Um, but generally speaking, you don't have to answer to anyone, which is nice. And in other, in other words, you can be your own boss. No one can really tell you what to do, when to do it. Um, but again, this can be a double-edged sword. Now, moving on, the next pro to doing business, um, basically like SEO by yourself when you start, is that you do have unlimited earning potential. Now, if you just get started with SEO, um, you're not going to be able to charge high rates typically right away. And the reason for this is that you probably have limited work experience. Maybe you've done like a little bit of like blogging, but if you're listening to this, you probably haven't, you're probably not an expert. And when you're just getting started, you have to charge low rates because you need to prove your skills. And basically people won't really trust you if you don't have any reviews, any testimonials, or any type of track record. Um, you're going to have to charge those low rates. But where I get back to unlimited earning potential, once you do charge those high rates and maybe you do some like passive revenue sources whether it's online courses or creating free trainings um, the earning potential is unlimited if you have like your own website and it takes a lot of time to build authority to your website but if you can get consistent monthly visitors and you have a good offer you have good calls to action you have good seo practices um, you can really make a lot of money selling like online courses and affiliate products um, i think it was the one the podcast right before this one um, is actually about affiliate marketing and how you can make money with affiliate marketing and SEO. So if you want to learn like other ways of like earning potential, um, you'll want to listen to the one right before this, the podcast. Moving on, the next pro that I have written down is creative freedom. So when you're doing SEO and blogging for yourself, um, you can create the blogs by, you know, of course, by yourself. You don't have anyone to do it for you and it's for your website. So you have that creative freedom. If, you, if you're someone who values like coming up with new ideas, 
or maybe you know positioning your ideas in a different way well blogging and doing seo for yourself gives you that creative freedom that you might be looking for now creative freedom it's also good with like graphic design because a lot of blog posts you'll see like they do have graphics with it and um, so if you can do graphics that also gives you the creative freedom where you can make your own graphics um, highly recommend using canva uh, there will be a link to canva in my link tree if you want to sign up for canva so it gives you the creative freedom which a lot of people value when you're working with a client they might actually not really want you to um, like even make the pictures at all they might handle all the photos and then they also probably will have a, a certain writing style that they want to kind of stick with so we're working with a client you don't have that same creative freedom as you might have working for yourself and lastly the best pro for doing seo and blogging and copywriting by yourself is that there's less red tape and honestly there's less revisions um, which makes sense but um, in terms of like the less red tape when you're working with a client especially if it's a client at a larger company you're probably going to be working with someone whose job is to like manage the writing and the social media type stuff so in order to like get something new accomplished or like to pass a new idea say you want to implement something that maybe costs them a little extra money um, or something like that there's a lot of red tape and it takes a while to actually see some progress um, so that's something to keep in mind if you're working with clients and you want to implement a change or even if it doesn't have to do with um, like money or anything and you just want to maybe take a different approach um, or whatever it might be to writing you need to get that approved by the client and if it's a large company and they, the person you're dealing with has to check with their boss and their boss um, there's a lot of red tape and it doesn't really you don't really get a lot done right away um, it doesn't really happen very quickly so that's just something to keep in mind when you're working with clients and working for yourself uh, there's less red tape when you're working by yourself and of course there's less revisions um, to your work if you're doing writing because if you're doing it for yourself uh, really the only revisions that you have to make are the ones that you think are necessary but when you're working with a client and they have expectations that they want you to meet they might have revisions and you are going to have to make those revisions especially if like if they have if they're revisions that the client needs for one reason or another like you have to make those revisions and you have to make the client happy so just something to keep in mind when you're working with clients um, you are going to have to probably make some revisions at least at the beginning now most of my clients now they're such good clients and tooting my own horn a little bit here um, but my writing is very high quality so they don't really need any revisions especially my high paying clients because i do such a good job with the seo and the best practices of linking and everything that has to do with seo they don't actually have any revisions for me so when you get to when you hone your skills in and you get better as a writer um, you won't need as many revisions typically because you you get you know especially if you work with like clients on a consistent basis um, you can see like what they kind of like as writing styles and then you it takes a little bit to get started with it might take some trial and error and you might have to give some revision revisions in the in the whatever beginning and but as you keep going as you hone your skills as you get to know the client it's probably going to be less and less revisions that you need to do so let's move on um, we're going to get into the cons of doing SEO for yourself. So that's like the disadvantages. Well, first, <clears throat> we went over the EAT model and expertise, authority, and trust. And the biggest um, like con to doing blogging and SEO for yourself um, is when you're just starting, you have to 
basically just get started and get some traction and really build some authority in your space, which is the hardest part. And it's really hard for beginners to do this. And for obvious reasons, because you kind of lack the skills, you don't have the network just yet. And it can be hard to get off the ground, especially with like a writing, copywriting, SEO business, because there is a lot of competition. And if you don't have any skills, any work experience, or really any credentials, um, it can be hard to get started with. Now, moving on, building authority is also very hard and does take a lot of time. So I've been doing SEO and copywriting for about a year and a half, and I'm just starting to build authority. So this is a year and a half of grinding, of writing articles every day, and really just putting in work. And it took me about a year and a half, and I'm still not like all that authoritative. I have built some authority, but like still definitely not where I want to be. But it's okay. It's only been a year and a half, and the majority of uh, like websites that have high authority, they've been doing this for like ten plus years. Um, so, if you really want to do it like long term and see success long term, you're gonna have to like play the long game and not just like try to like make money, make a quick buck. Essentially, you need to put in the work. You need to um, like do everything that is necessary to build authority first. Got to lay that foundation, that groundwork before you can really scale it up and you know get paid to do what you do or make money if you're working for yourself so the next disadvantage is that you need to get work experience before you start to charge high rates and the reason for this is i think i already did touch on it in this podcast episode but without the work experience no one is really going to be able to see that you have proven work like results that you can get results for them so until you can prove that and like you can have like a like a portfolio of clients before you can prove that um, like it's going to be hard to charge high rates because you can't really justify it when like if they look at someone else who has like hundreds of reviews, maybe on their Fiverr profile, um, if they're looking at someone with hundreds of reviews who charges maybe a little bit higher priced, but they have all the work experience, they have positive testimonials, they're probably going to go with that person, um, just because they have that proven track record. So you have to work for cheap is essentially what um, the point is for this um, this bullet point. You have to work for cheap under market rate to get those initial reviews, get those that, that work experience where you can like advertise that to clients, you know, in the future. Um, makes sense, right? You need to charge under under market rate and before you need to get the work experience, charge under market rate and then you can start charging high rates in the future. Um, now, Another kind of um, thing going off of that, regardless of your work experience, unless you have like an extensive portfolio, you are still going to have to charge those low rates. So just expect it. I recommend like if you have a a full-time job now, just do the SEO in the background. Um, Just do it like kind of as you're working your full-time job, just get it kind of going where where you can charge those low rates and get that work experience. And then do it for, you know, an hour or an hour or so a day, do it for like a year or two and see if you can raise your rates. And if it makes sense, then you can quit your job and do it full time if that's what you want to do. Or if you just see it as kind of like a side hustle, then there's no issues with that and you can keep doing it as a side hustle. But bottom line, before you start um, like charging the high rates, it's not going to start like that. And you need to you need to be aware of that. So moving on, the last disadvantage of doing SEO for yourself is time management and project management because if you have a lot of different projects from different clients you're going to need a way to track all those projects make sure that they all get done on time and so there's a software that i use it's called monday.com 
Now, Monday is really easy because there's a free program. If it's just like you and your business, they have a free plan that you can do. Um, so it's totally free and you can manage all your projects. Um, it's really easy and again, free. Um, but if you start to like build a team and you have multiple people on your team um, that are that need access to Monday, that's where it does start to cost money. Ideally, at this point, you would be bringing in some money so you could afford it. Um, but that's not always the case. So that's it for the cons of doing SEO for yourself. We're going to jump back and we're going to talk about working with clients for SEO. So like I said, so there's two ways of doing it. You can work for yourself or you can work for clients. And the benefit of working with clients, we can just jump right into the benefits, is that you will get paid on a regular basis as long as the client is happy. So if you're on Fiverr, Fiverr is more like for like one off kind of like it's not the best for like setting like a monthly like schedule. Um, yeah, so biggest benefit is that you do get paid on a monthly basis and typically monthly basis. Um, if you set up like monthly recurring, um, you get paid on a regular basis. So as long as they remain a client, you can like track your revenue and make predictions. Um, again, caveat is as long as they stay a client, which doesn't always happen. Um, but again, you get paid on a regular basis, which is nice as long as you can keep those clients. And when you do have that proven work experience, um, typically from doing it for yourself or just with other smaller clients, once you have that work experience, this is where you can raise your rates and charge a high rate for the clients you work with. And moving on, yeah, you can work from anywhere. A lot of people like they want that um, like work from anywhere digital nomad lifestyle and working with clients for SEO and copywriting is one of the best ways to kind of get that digital um, nomad lifestyle that everyone's kind of looking for. And um, yeah, if you can charge high rates, if you can grind for like a year and a half on your own without really charging the high rates, if you can grind for a year and a half, two years, get that work experience, build up your Fiverr profile. If you do Fiverr, um, or just you can do guest outreach and you can get clients on your own outside of Fiverr. Um, you can work from anywhere and you can build relationships online. You can build relationships for networking. And um, yeah, it just opens up a lot, a lot of doors working with clients um, with networking. Because if you work with a client maybe in your state or maybe nearby, depending on your niche and the services that you have to offer, you can actually meet with them in person and uh, form like a real relationship with them and which is pretty cool so that's a, a pro of working with clients is the networking capabilities and possibilities um, i work with clients i'm in philadelphia i have a client in like san diego um, so across the country so like potentially down the line if to say there was like a networking event in san diego maybe i was in the area for something else to meet with a client i could um, go to that um, event and actually meet with my clients in person which is pretty cool and if you're just doing SEO for yourself, you wouldn't get that opportunity. So moving on, um, if you just get a few clients to do like your, their search engine optimization work, if you're charging market rate, um, you really only need a, a few clients, which can add up to several thousands in revenue each month. Um, so just a few clients can basically set you up. So it really, it really depends on like a lot of different things, what you can charge. Um, but like, it's not unreasonable to get like a client. I think you can get a client for like 1500 a month to 2000 a month. You could easily get a client for these prices. So just think if you get three, four or five clients, this could add up to, you know, close to 8,000 a month, 10,000 a month, which could be enough to quit your full-time job if this is what you want to do. 
Or again, if you're not looking to quit your job, you could do it as a side hustle. Nothing wrong with that. So those are the pros of working with clients. Now I want to go over the cons of working with clients to do their SEO and their copywriting. So there are quite a few and I do want to point out the first one is like dealing with the clients and some clients are headaches, especially with like SEO um, because some clients like they really have unrealistic expectations about how they want the writing to sound. They want it to have like this certain style and a certain voice that can be difficult to match, especially when you're just getting started. Um, so just dealing with clients and their unrealistic expectations when it comes to writing and SEO, um, that's a main downside to working with clients and it can be kind of overwhelming at times and kind of just stressful to deal with these types of clients. So it's just something to keep in mind that um, you are going to probably run into some clients that are headaches um, or just they, you might find that they're just not really worth your time when it comes to SEO. Because um, again, they have a lot of these expectations where they want their writing to be perfect, um, when in reality, they don't really understand like the SEO side of things. They just want the writing to sound good. Um, so it's just clients that think that they kind of know everything and they want to kind of tell you how to write, um, which you don't want to really work with those clients. You want clients that provide you that autonomy. As long as you are meeting their expectations, you don't want clients that are super micromanaged. Um, but more than likely you're going to run into them. So moving on, some of the clients that you're going to be working with, they take up a lot of time. And typically these clients are the ones that pay the least, that take up the most amount of time. Um, for one reason or another, I'm not really sure kind of why that is, but it's just in my experience and you might hear other like copywriters say that and freelancers, like the bad clients are the ones that pay the least and take up the most amount of time and like ask for a bunch of revisions. So you might find that it's just not even worth it to work with some clients at that like type of arrangement. If you can, if you get that, that sense where you're working kind of for um, a lot, like taking up a lot of time, but you're not really getting paid for that time and that stress and that overwhelm that uh, some clients uh, come with. That's kind of just um, how it works. Uh, moving on, they may have the unrealistic expectations. Um, so the unrealistic expectations again, ties in with um, like cl um, clients that are headaches and aren't really worth your time. Um, the unrealistic expectations, like I said, is for like the writing style and um, things like that, where they really, they're just concerned of, like with like vanity, like metrics, like how it, how it sounds, not really necessarily with the results that they produce. So just keep in mind the unrealistic expectations that you may have to kind of put up with. And then lastly, the last downside to working with clients is that you are capped on your earning potential. Um, like even if you get, say you get 20 clients, like you're still going to be capped eventually because it, you only have so much time in your day. And even if like that amounts to say like $40,000 a month in revenue, well, more than likely if it's still just yourself, you're going to be working like crazy hours to try to sustain like this 40K a month kind of. Um, so it's just like your earning potential and your time is something that you're going to really ha find valuable if you really start to grow your business. Um, so just something to keep in mind that, uh, you are kind of capped on your earning potential eventually. Now you can earn very good money with, um, doing SEO for clients. And I don't recommend, like, I'm not discouraging you from doing it. Um, but it's just something you should keep in mind is that you should try to have like a, a type of like passive recurring revenue on the back end. So you can kind of do like your active 
call it active um, like management where you're managing, you're doing outreach, you're managing clients like every day is active when the passive revenue is kind of like online courses and trainings where you can make money kind of in the background while you're doing all of the other active management. So you kind of want to split it. I wouldn't just like choose one or the other. I want to either work for clients or do it for myself. Um, you need to kind of have a balance between both and you want to set up those passive revenue sources um, in addition to, um, you know, active management and actively working with clients because working with clients provides the best cash flow. Um, typically, at least starting out, it doesn't take as long to acquire your first couple of clients as it does take to like build those passive revenue sources. So that's just my take and some of my um, input for some of the pros and cons to working with clients. Now, let's move on. And uh, we're going to talk about how to build a writing portfolio so you can kind of do this yourself. Well, the first thing I have written down is to start slow by working under market rate, which is, again, what we went over before. So you need to start slow. You need to get your feet wet. You need to get your foot in the door. You need to um, basically like get that experience before you can really branch out and charge a lot for your services. So uh, yeah, you have to work under market rate, bottom line. And I recommend if you're just getting started and want to do SEO and blogging, I recommend starting on Fiverr or Upwork um, just because it does get you the exposure that you need where you can get some jobs like initially where there's not much pressure. It is low wage. And you're not going to get really compensated for your time all that well. But you have to start somewhere. And Fiverr and Upwork are great places to start. I think Fiverr especially because they do give new sellers a chance. Whereas Upwork, you have to actively apply to jobs. And if you don't have any work experience, like many people see that, they're honestly just going to thumb you down right away and just kind of count you out. And they're not even really going to consider you. So Upwork, I honestly haven't had a lot of success when it comes to like blogging and stuff. Um, next, we want to move on and we want to tell you that you need to use your personal connections and your networking when you're starting out. So like, for example, I'm in the real estate industry. So a good thing that I would do if I was just starting out in real estate, I would want to reach out to my real estate connections to see if anyone kind of needs a copywriter or someone to do SEO or social media for them. And then if I did get someone through like personal connections or like networking who was interested, I would work for either free or just low pay. A good way to like really get your foot in the door is say that you'll work for free like for a month or two because then they really don't have a reason to say no unless like they, I don't know, whatever reason they already have someone doing it. But if you're just, if you come in there and say, hey, I can do it for free for a month and you kind of just get your feet wet, um, get in the door, get your work experience and hone your skills. Um, that's a good way to get your foot in the door with a company. And then say you do it for free for a month. Then you can say before you get started, you, you can like make a deal and say, hey, I'll do this for free for a month. If you like the results, maybe we can negotiate some like, a, you know, an actual monthly arrangement. So it's really a good way to just get some experience and um, yeah, really get your feet wet with it. Now, the best way to build a writing portfolio is to start a website and to write for your own website. So this comes back to doing SEO and blogging for yourself. So you can use your website and you can publish your articles and you can use it as your freelance portfolio. And it's a really good idea to do this um, because you want to hone your skills in with writing and publishing to your own website. There's no pressure and you can really write and refine your writing over time. Um, so if you want to build a writing portfolio, that's the way to do it. You just want to start a website by yourself, get started on Fiverr, get some gigs, get some reviews, 
and just kind of build up from there. It's a, it's a one step at a time process. It's, you're not going to make a quick buck at this type of stuff. But if you stick with it and you learn the right skills, you can stand to make a lot of money. And let's move on. So we want to use the freelance writing portfolio also to apply for other jobs, um, such as guest posts, Fiverr outreach, and word of mouth. So you can use your writing portfolio for a variety of different things is what the point is. And last part, I want to just move on to the best tools that you're going to need if you want to start a blog. And if you want to do SEO, like you're going to need a few basic tools to do this. And they're not all free. Most of them are free, actually, but they're not all free, especially if you have a team that you're managing. These tools aren't going to be free. Um, however, these are the basic tools that you will need and you will need to make us like an upfront investment in this. Now, the good thing about SEO, affiliate marketing, copywriting, and all of this that we've been talking about is that there are startup costs, but they're actually relatively minimal to other online business models and other online, um, not even online businesses, just other businesses in general. To do all this, it's very low startup costs and very low risk. Um, if you don't like see success with it, there's really no risk. It's honestly just your time and some of the tools that we're going to go over that you might need to pay for. So just basic tools, we're just going to start with Google Drive. Um, it's the easiest way to like make documents and send them to clients and collaborate um, because people like your clients, they can add comments if they need to comment on your writing or whatever, they can add comments easily. And it's just really easy to share a link to the Google Doc. Um, like everyone can see it, everyone can edit. It's really easy to make a copy of the documents and then edit it on your own. Um, so it's just really easy. Google Drive, I use it every day and I wouldn't be able to run my business without it. Um, a good thing about Google Drive is that you can get professional Google email um, for free. Well, not for free, actually. I think it's like $6 a month. And you can get a professional looking email um, that's not just like a Gmail email address. Because honestly, I see like Gmails for like real estate agents. And I kind of, I don't know, it's just not very professional in my opinion um, to have like a Gmail as like your work email. It's like if it's like Scott Leventon real estate at gmail.com, like I just made the Gmail. And it just looks unprofessional in my opinion. So you want to, you can get like professional email through Google, Google domains. You can get like professional email address. Um, it's all sent to your Gmail account. It's just under a different um, like email. It's not Gmail. It could be like at your website.com. And it's just really, it looks better. It looks clean. It looks more reputable than just like a Gmail, um, I, in my opinion, They're just like a Gmail email address. But Anyways, Google Drive, you will need that. And it's great. You can make spreadsheets. So if you want to like track different like metrics, I don't know, like website visitors, you can track them all in a spreadsheet with Google Sheets. And then if you want to make like pitch decks to, I don't know, pitch to clients or whatever, you might want to use it um, for the Google Slides, which is basically just like PowerPoint. Um, very good and very good like templates and a lot of customization options. Um, that highly recommend yeah, you use Google Drive and Google Slides and all the Google products because I wouldn't be able to run my business without them. Now next, if you want to do SEO and you want to do copywriting and blogging, everything that we've been talking about, you're going to need to do keyword research to find what terms people are searching for and the difficulty to rank for them. So keyword research tools, the one that I recommend and that I use pretty much every day is called Ahrefs. Now Ahrefs does start at like $100 a month for like the basic plan, but you might need to spend $200 a month to get like the full features um, as just like a single entrepreneur, which is, it could be like a car payment. You know, $200 a month is could be a car payment for some people. 
uh, or maybe student loan payments or, you know, utility bills, whatever it might be, 200 a month is pretty steep um, for a keyword research tool. However, you will need this to do the keyword research. So um, that's one thing you will need to set aside this 100 to 200 a month for Ahrefs if you're really going to be doing this. If you really only are going to be doing it like for your own website, you honestly probably don't need the monthly subscription to like Ahrefs. Um, what you can do and what I've done in the past, I don't really recommend it, but you could just get the subscription for a month, pay the 200 or whatever, the 100 or 200, um, and then do all your keyword research in that month time period and then don't renew the subscription so you can get all your keywords. This is really good for if you're doing it for yourself because you can just get all your keywords at once. But if you're doing it for clients for an, with an ongoing um like as a, with an ongoing basis on an ongoing basis, um, you're going to need the monthly subscription so you can do the keyword research at any time. So highly recommend Ahrefs. There's a couple other competitors, um, but I don't really recommend them. So I'm not even going to mention them. If you want to do, if you want the, the industry standard and you want the best, the most in-depth tools, uh, you will need Ahrefs and I'll include a link to Ahrefs. Uh, not a sponsor for Ahrefs. They don't even have an affiliate program. So Ahrefs, uh, highly recommend, and uh, you, you really can't go wrong with Ahrefs, just if you can afford the high price tag. Um, next, I mentioned Monday.com, and it's the project management and tracking software. So, like, if a new project comes in, I need a way to, like, essentially just track the progress on the project, because some projects, they are multi-steps. Um, it's not just, like, one thing. Um, it's like some projects could have eight different, like, milestones, basically. And we need a way to manage and track that to make sure that we stay on track um, for like these big projects that come up, like it could be several hundred dollars, even a thousand dollar projects. And we need to make sure that we are um, on track with that. So monday.com is the best way to do it. I think there are other competitors, but I just like Monday. I think it's easy to use. They have some advanced automations that I'm starting to dive into. So uh, I recommend Monday. If you if you need a project management, just stick with Monday. It's free to start. Once you build the team around you, uh, they will start to charge money for it. Next is called Google Search Console. This is something by Google. They make it obviously Google Search Console. And you can use Google Search Console to see like your rankings on other websites. I'm sorry, not other websites. You can see your ranking on Google um, to see like how well you're performing, like your articles. So like if you write 10 articles, and you publish them on your website with Google Search Console, you can see how many impressions they're getting, how many people are viewing, um, basically like your articles, how many people see it, how many people actually click through to your article. Um, so Google Search Console gives you this data that you're going to need, and it's right from Google. So you know it's the most accurate and the most reliable data. So more information on Google Search Console uh, to come, but just know that you probably will need this if you want to get started. Um, next, I recommend like a plagiarism checker, and the the one that's used the most is called Copyscape. And their interface on their website is a little outdated in my opinion, but it still works. And you're going to need to make sure that your writing essentially doesn't show up for plagiarism. And especially if you're hiring a team or plan to hire a team down the line, you need to make sure that their writing doesn't show up as plagiarism. Um, because believe it or not, there are some writers out there that may try to plagiarize content and write it off as their own. Um, which is not advised because you can get penalized. You know, I mean, you're breaking copyright law. So, you know, the, it does open the potential for, you know, lawsuits. Honestly, no one's really going to come after you um, unless like it's like something really big. And I don't know, it, you really like piss people off. 
with the the plagiarism but you don't want to do the plagiarism i never obviously advise to do plagiarize like that's a that's a big no-no in this industry um but just know no one's really going to come after you but that doesn't mean that you should just like you know not really take it seriously just know that you want to do you know the best practices when it comes to plagiarism and a good way to check to see if your writing is showing as plagiarism is through copyscape now that brings me to an, the, my last point. Um, there's an AI content detector. So if you've heard of ChatGPT, it's kind of been making a big buzz um, in recent uh, months. ChatGPT, it's like an artificial intelligence and it can basically write articles for you. Now, because it's AI content, there are actually AI content detectors such as originality.ai. And you can basically type the writing from like ChatGPT or the AI into that. And it can detect when it's artificial intelligence writing. So I'm not sure if Google has something now that they use to detect it, um, but they probably will in the future. So it's going to be similar to like plagiarizing where if you use the AI content and it shows up as AI content, you could potentially be penalized. So more to come on that. That's just um, what I've heard and my opinion on that. So you don't want to use the AI content and you want to check to make sure that it doesn't show up. Moving on, you're going to want to get Grammarly. Now, Grammarly is really good for sentence structure. And now I am a strong writer, but I still use Grammarly, and it actually does correct my writing a lot and really improves my writing. It wants you. It, it has a lot of suggestions that you, you should write in any active voice instead of passive voice. And uh, so Grammarly is really good for improving the writing. Now, it's also good for um, doing plagiarism checking. They have a built-in plagiarism tool where you can check to see if it's showing up as plagiarism. And um, yeah, just really easy to do with Grammarly. It's pretty cheap. Um, it's not too expensive. It's like just maybe like 10 or 20 a month for like the, the paid plan, which you probably will need. Um, and then the last tool that I have that I wrote down is called Slack. And if you're going to be communicating with clients or if you plan on bringing like on a team, um, you're going to need to have Slack to communicate with them. Because I did use Microsoft Teams. And at least when I was working my corporate job, I wasn't able to use Teams to message other people. I was only able to use team to message, Teams to message people in my, in my organization. So with Slack, you can message, you can easily communicate with people on your team and then your clients. You can set up a channel, they call it. And you can set up a channel for your business and for your client where you can just like have like quick, like, um, I guess like instant messages, kind of like Teams. Like just, you need just quick like communication. If you just need to send a quick like Google doc or a document or an image, you can just send it in Slack and it makes things super easy. Well, thanks guys for listening. I hope to see you in the next one. Again, no ads on this podcast. So um, we really, we really just want to give you the best content. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one.